Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Cashflow Equals Accounting. This is your host, George Aguilar, and today we have Stephen and Gina, two real estate investors from New York who run Revival Property Group. Stephen and Gina, welcome to the show. Hello. How is everybody? Hey, what's going on, George? Really appreciate you having us on today. We're excited, excited, excited to get uh, you know down to business and just talk about uh, our business and, and get rolling. Absolutely. Thanks hey. for having us. Thank you so much, guys, for coming. So I wanted to ask you guys, how did you get started in real estate investing? Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a uh, windy road, um, but I guess we can start from, uh, you know, we both graduated. Uh, I graduated from Penn State University. Gina graduated from West Virginia University. And, um, you know, shortly after, you know, we, we had met. And I was in a, a finance role, just, you know, kind of going through the motions, you know, that nine to five grind, getting up, doing the same thing every single day. And I just wasn't happy, you know, completely, you know, I didn't have that passion for what I was doing. And I, I didn't have that why, you know, I wasn't going to work and saying, hey, listen, you know, this is, this is why I'm going to work. I'm, I'm going to, I was going to work for a paycheck, you know, to be completely honest. So, you know, wanted to find something that I really had a passion for and something that we could, you know, work on together and that could bring us together as a, as a couple and, um, you know, something that we, that we could really work on and, and, and tag team. So um, always been interested in real estate, you know, wasn't sure which way we wanted to really roll with it, whether, you know, we wanted to be, you know, go towards the construction end of things because that's where, you know, my father uh, was a construction worker his whole life. So, you know, thought that was a potential option. Um, you know, wasn't sure if we wanted to go uh, as a straight up real estate agent and, you know, eventually become a broker or, you know, potentially go into the investment side of the business where we could say, hey, like, you know, we're able to almost have a, a piece of every single portion of of the process of the business so you know we're able to go into a real estate transaction and and go from the due diligence to the purchase all the way you know through the renovation and then onto the sale and we're able to see every aspect of of the transaction which is really powerful and i think that was a great place for us to start and that even if we didn't love the entire thing, we could, you know, pick and choose what we wanted to deal with and, and what we wanted to do. So I think it was a great place for us to start. It gave us um, a lot of, of uh, experience. And, you know, it was, uh, it was definitely the best way for us to get rolling within real estate. So, Stephen and Gina, can you guys tell me a little bit about the process from the time you started training to the time you actually got your first flip or wholesale? You know, how long did it take you and what were you guys doing during that time frame? So we actually spent quite a bit of time just on straight education at first. We were going to live events. We were traveling, um, you know, anything we could get our hands on online. We wanted to make sure that before we really stepped out into the real world and really dug in, that we knew what we were doing. We wanted confidence. We wanted to make sure that we knew how to do the due diligence, due diligence and you know that we weren't taking a risk that we weren't prepared for. Um, so we probably spent about six to eight months really kind of just behind the scenes, networking, meeting with people who were experienced in the business, 
Um, and eventually after a while, you know, we kind of reached a point where we said, all right, we're, we learned what we could behind the scenes. And until we really get out there and get our hands dirty, you know, we believe that you learn a lot through experience. Um, so until we really got out there and did a full circle deal, um, we realized that we weren't going to get that done behind the computer. So about six to eight months, I would say it was, we like hopped into our first deal and that's really where the learning began again, because we took so many things away from our first deal. So how did you guys get your initial first deal? Okay. I'll, I'll take that one. Um, so we had made, I'd, you know, tons of offers before we actually got that first deal in contract. And, you know, that's something that we definitely try to, you know, we still practice that too today, right? It's just, submitting offers don't be afraid to submit offers and at first we were you know we we didn't want to submit those lowball offers um and we we were we were scared you know quite frankly we didn't know how these real estate agents would act you know we were getting you know some of these agents coming back to us and and really uh you know lashing out at us like like are you serious with this offer and we still kept our head down and our first deal was actually on market it was an estate situation so we wound i actually wound up driving past the property um on my way home one day and you know i i just i i don't know what it was it, it didn't look like the, the house was run down or anything it didn't look like it needed a ton of work from the outside but something in me told me to hey let me let me call this agent right so actually, I, I, I had reached out to our agents at the time that we were working closely with on every single one of our deals. And it was a Douglas Element deal. And our guys are in Douglas Element as well. So we had them give them a call. They wound up giving them a call, you know, getting us inside. We, you know, did, did our whole due diligence, ran our numbers. And we wound up making an offer that, of course, they thought was too low. Uh, they had dropped the price at, at this point like three times. So we made an offer. You know, we didn't fall in love with the property, fell in love, in love with the numbers. We made that offer and we stuck to it. Um, and, and I think that was also a huge part of our success in that first deal is just sticking to that number and not falling in love with the property, not saying, hey, you know, we want to get this first deal where, you know, we did want to get that first deal, but we didn't sway from our processes and our systems. And that's really what helped us, you know, stay the course and, and, you know, have the success that we did in that first deal. And that, that, you know, like I said, to, even today, that's something that we definitely still practice, you know, we practice that day in and day out. Yeah, you know, Stephen, I, I do see a lot of investors that where they make the mistake is, they they sway or or they move away from those numbers that are guiding them to make decisions and you know you should always follow those criteria those numbers as opposed to you know kind of falling in love with the property like you said so tell us a little bit about your first deal you know what was challenging what went according to plan and what didn't go so according to plan sure yeah um you know so we started um we obviously were really excited once we had the property in contract. And at that point we were kind of scrambling, you know, we, we had all of our systems in place, but we didn't have our contractors yet. And we didn't have our contractors. 
So, and we weren't exactly a hundred percent sure where we get it, where we were getting all of our funding. So those are two big things that we were, you know, kind of scrambling, which obviously at this point in the game, you know, it, it's, it's tough because you have the property in contract. We put down, I want to say on this property, we had about $30,000 down. So obviously, you know, that's a lot of money at this point. You know, we don't, we're, we're, we're new in the game. We're not looking to lose $30,000 because we can't close on this property. So we got right down to business and it took us every bit of that entire contract period to get through and, and to um, get our financing in place and also get our contractors in place to, to make sure that, you know, we were honoring our numbers that again, you know, we were, we were going to stick to. And now that's another big thing is just making sure that you're not swaying from those numbers in terms of a contractor. You know, there's a lot of guys out there that, you know, won't, you know, aren't willing to sway from their numbers as well, which is, you know, we respect that as well, but we have to make sure we're getting quality, you know, quality service and a quality work and quality material and still staying in our budget. And that was probably one of the biggest struggles, you know, off of that first deal that, you know, we, we have learned, we, we learned a ton from and making sure that our scope, scope of work was, was completely, um, you know, on point and making sure that we were transparent with our contractors. So, so we were all on the same page. That was definitely one of our biggest challenges, if you will, um, you know, throughout that first deal. And then, you know, I'll, I'll bring you a little bit further through the deal. You know, we, we, cl we closed the property. I want to, want to say about two weeks later, we started construction and that was something that, you know, to, at this point in our career would not happen. You know, we start the first day construction, um, you know, our demo crews in there from, from day one, the minute we close on the deal, um, you know, that next day or potentially even that same day, you know, our crew's in there getting down to work because, you know, you and I both know that, you know, th those, those days of, you know, every single day that you're holding the property, you know, that's profit, you know, that comes out of your pocket. So, you know, that's, that's definitely something that we, we strive to, to stay consistent with is just getting our, our construction done, um, you know, first day right off the bat. And, you know, I, we close in the property. We, we, we get to, we get our construction done. Everything was going relatively smoothly at this point. And we found a buyer and their mortgage company wound up. I'll give you a little bit of a background of the property. It was a two family, right? So it was, it was split into two, a single family turned into a multifamily um, in the heart of East Northport, New York, which is in Long Island. And their mortgage company wound up coming back and they wanted us to open up the stairway, which was closed when we purchased the house. And at this point, all our finishing touches were done. Everything was, was, was completely finished at this point. And now we had to reopen the stairs that we didn't even know the stairs existed because there was a wall there. We saw two steps and a wall. So we, had, we weren't even sure if there was, there was the rest of the staircase there. So we wound up opening it up. It 
thank God the staircase was there, but we had a, it, it was a decent job that kind of, you know, set us, it set us back almost probably three weeks by the time we got the inspectors back in there, the appraisers and, and everyone that needed to get back in there, they made sure that, you know, the, the work was done to par, like on par and that we didn't, um, you know, sway from the, the rest of the quality of our work which was a huge learning experience for us because, um, you know, at the end of the day, that cost us a couple of dollars. Um, and that also, um, you know, it, it, it cost us time as well. Wow. I mean, it, it almost seems like every real estate investor I talk to, they always have like a curveball coming at them. They can never see coming. And in your case, I kind of, you know, it sounded like it was kind of like that. You guys didn't even expect it. Now, I do tend to see this in in the for real estate investors that when it comes to hiring your subcontractors, you know, subcontractors have a unfortunately a really bad reputation in the real estate investing business. What have you guys done or what tips or advice would you give um, someone new in the industry to kind of look out for when they're hiring uh, contractors? So something that we do, um, which we actually started this from our first sale as well, we interview, um, we get everyone in there, we talk to them, we sit down, it's a formal interview, and we have everyone draw up a scope of work, and we, we kind of get a feel for the person as a whole, you know, not even just their numbers, but do they look like they're trustworthy, do we like to go see their properties that they've done in the past, see what kind of quality work they do, um, we've even used references before, and called previous clients of theirs to see how happy they were with their work. So interviewing is huge for us. Um, and then also just once you pick the person is just staying on schedule, um, making that scope of work with the contractor and making sure that on a weekly basis, we're wrapping up and talking about the things that were supposed to get done, the things that did get done and what didn't, and just making sure that we're on the same page because there's so many times that there's miscommunication that gets in the way. Um, so just communication is also huge, staying on schedule and, and talking to them on a weekly, daily basis. Yeah. And I'll just add to that, um, giving them feedback throughout the project as well. Um, not just, you know, you know, whether it's positive or potentially negative feedback, you know, all feedback is important because and, and especially positive feedback, because, you know, you know, what I do notice a lot of. Um, investors are, you know, they're always focusing on what the contractor's not doing, right? Or what the contractor's doing wrong. Let's focus on what they're doing right. And then, you know, let, let's, let's take that and carry that through the rest of the project. Because, you know, if you're giving them positive feedback and, you know, you're giving them a little pat on the back, sometimes that can, that can go a long way. You know, they say, hey, you know, we're, we're getting this done. Like, wh why not continue it this way? You know, and, and, you know, when, when you're happy and, and they're happy, you know, the entire project goes that much more smooth and it, it's, and, you know, the, the more we, the more we've done and the more we've, uh, you know, the more experience we've had, that has been a huge, huge thing for us when dealing with contractors. I like it. I like it. Cause I, you know, I do believe that you have to be able to point you know, the good and the bad too, you know, and you want to, what you're talking about, Stephen, is kind of maintaining a relationship and starting a good relationship with the contractor as opposed to just be negative and kind of, you know, 
hurting the relationship. Now, I do want to move a little bit away and talk about markets. So when you guys are out there looking for deals, how much do you look at markets in terms of job growth, location, demographics? Oh, man, uh, that's that's uh, first and foremost. You know, that's that's a huge part of our due diligence process. And, um, you know, our operations manager, he is doing that every single day. He takes like an hour or two out of every single one of his days and he's just researching markets and just understanding where, you know, we are in you know our local markets and the markets that we're looking to get into. So it's not just, you know, the markets that we've already worked in, it's that are potential for the future, right? You know, because there's, you know, with, within real estate, markets are so much, they're, they're so different, right? You know, you take a market on the East Coast, like in, in New York City, is going to be, be completely different than a market on the East Coast of Florida, mm -hmm. you know? And, and even within the state of Florida or New York, those markets differ so, you know, so much as well that, and rapidly, you know, there's a lot of times you have to see things in advance. You have to, you have to, you know, be asking questions of, of people that are, you know, in politics or people that are, you know, the, the mayor of the city and just getting close and building relationships with those types of people who have a huge pull, you know, within those cities is you know you, you can't put a you can't put a value on that and, and the fact that you're able to you know go to them and, and, and gain information and and provide them value as well um you know by developing or you know creating a, a better place you know of the of the neighborhood and the city is is just you know invaluable are there any specific things that you guys are looking at when you're analyzing markets yeah, of course. I mean, um, you know, I mean, you're looking at the economy. That's that's for sure. The local economy, and you know, what types of of people are, are moving into the neighborhood? Is it more of a younger neighborhood? Is it, um, you know, an older neighborhood? Is is there is there a lot of gentrification in the neighborhood? Um, you know, we're looking at schools, of course, um, especially in our local markets. You know, we, we, we work in a lot of neighborhoods with great school districts because, you know, a lot, you know, the fact of the matter is if you're moving into a home, most of the time, either you have kids or you plan on having kids in the future. Right. So, you, you know, a lot of times you want you want a great school district. You want your, your, you know, your kids to grow up in a great school district. And that's huge for our local markets here. And, and that's that's one of our biggest um, points of emphasis. That's for sure. Now, I, I want to give you know the audience a little bit of, of behind the, the scene. So when it comes to looking for properties, what kind of marketing or what kind of stuff are you guys doing behind the, the, the scene to keep the flow coming? Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, even fr from day one, um, a big focus of ours, and, and I'm sure you can you, you can attest to this, is, is just branding. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, just building a great logo and a great why for the company, um, there's, there's a, there's a huge benefit 
and um, you know the the clients and, and the people in, in in business with you and the people that you're going to work with want to see that you have a, a great brand and, and you have to stand for something. You know, there's you know if if your if your company has no identity, then then who are you? You know, and and you know I think a lot of people in this industry struggle with that is just not having a, a, a company identity. And, you know, we, we actually, we, you know, we definitely put a huge emphasis on our culture at Revival Property Group. And that's, that's something that's really, you know, taken us to the next level. That's, that's, that's for sure. Um, and, and I'll let, I'll let Gina take, take it a little bit from there in terms of, uh, you know, our marketing and, you know, what we, what we do, uh, you know, in terms of marketing. Yeah, so just to add to that a little bit, um, in the beginning, we were doing a lot of bandit signs, which sounds like very beginner level, but it actually was one of our most successful marketing tactics. Um, we got a lot of calls on there. You got a lot of your off-market deals from that. Um, and it gave us a much more personal relationship with our clients because it kind of took the agents out of the scenario. Um, so that's a big one that we love. And we still go back to that. Um, you know, Even though we've grown, we still love that one. Um, direct mail is another thing that we do. Um, just, you know, sending out letters. We do drive-bys and put letters in people's mailboxes. Um, you know, look for homes that look like they need a little bit of help. Um, so, you know, we've tried a bunch of different things. And, you know, different times of the year, we get more success than others. Um, and then just using our agents. And, you know, Steve just recently got his license. So that's been a huge help, too. Um, but our agents have gotten a lot of our, our deals for us as well. Yeah. So, I mean, an, another big thing for us is, is, you know, we'll go back to it is networking and building relationships. So word of mouth marketing is, is the strongest uh, form of, of marketing. And, you know, you know, you, you, you have, if you're able to treat a client or, you know, a, a customer with, with, with great customer service, it's going to go a long way. You know, that, that it goes a long, long way. Then they tell all of their friends, all of a sudden, you know, their friends are, are, are selling a house that needs, you know, a ton of work. You know, they're, they're going to be referred to, to us. And, you know, that's why, you know, we, we, we definitely put a huge emphasis again on, on just providing that, that client service, that, that next level client service, we like to call it. And it's just putting our clients uh, before anything else. It's people before profit always in this business and this is one of one of if not the biggest people business a ton of emotion that goes into a, a real estate purchase or sale and you know you, you have to have a certain amount of of um of uh empathy right you have to have a certain amount of empathy when you're dealing with with people that are that are selling a home because a lot of times you know, the, the people that we're dealing with are are dealing with a hard situation that you have to walk them through and you have to get them through. So it's almost like a, 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 a being a psychiatrist at, at, at some point and having that certain level of empathy. I think that that's also what's taken, you know, us to the next level and and being able to have, uh, you know, a, build a great rapport with our clients as well. So now that you guys have kind of gone through the whole spectrum you know, what advice would you give to someone trying to get their first deal? 
I mean, I would say don't be afraid, you know, create a system that you can trust and stick with it. You know, you got to take that leap of faith. Of course, you want to do your due diligence. That's huge. And make sure you're not getting yourself into a bad situation. But you got to just go with your gut and, and not be afraid to just take that first deal. And once you go through that full circle, your confidence levels a whole nother level. And from there, it just gets easier and easier. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a uh, it, it never gets like um, you, you know, there's always a, a certain amount of risk, right? When when you're when you're dealing with real estate, so you're never going to get rid of that that risk, right? But you can you can definitely um, you know calculate those risks and make sure that you're you know you're making a smart decision, you know, and and at the end of the day. It's all about, you know, just having that confidence, seeing the bigger picture and not just looking at, you know, what's directly in front of you. Um, and I think that's a that's that's been huge for us is just, um, you know, writing down our goals, having a company vision and making sure the entire team, you know, is seeing that that vision, because if it if, if it doesn't align with our values and our our vision as a company then we you know we we swear we you know we stay far away from it and making sure that we stick to that is is second to none because you know at the end of the day our our values are everything great now moving a little bit more into the financial side of the business and for the most part you guys are are buying and flipping properties, how do you manage that financial side of the business? For example, like how do you keep track of budgets, expenses, and, and all that spending that's going on when you're, when you're investing in these properties? Yeah, I mean, that was, I'm going to be totally honest with you. Um, the, the first year in business, we were a complete mess in, in terms of finances. Um, I'm, I'm a great numbers guy, but, you know, keeping track of everything that's going in and out of the business is extremely hard when you're trying to run an entire business. And that's when we learned we have to surround ourselves with smarter and, and, and more knowledgeable people in the financial end of things. So that's when we got a, you know, an accountant who knew the business of real estate, right? Knew, you know, exactly what we were doing, understood our business model. And that's when we also took on a bookkeeper. You know, it's not just about having an accountant and then, you know, throwing your numbers at him at the end of the year. And, you know, that's what we were doing at first, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, having a bookkeeper go through everything weekly and making sure that they're, they're giving you a report, right? So, you know, we don't just throw things at our, our bookkeeper and our, and our accountant. We want to be in the loop as well. So we want weekly reports that we can go through with our bookkeeper. And then our bookkeeper has direct um, com uh, communication with our accountant. So things run very smoothly. Again, it all, it all goes back to systems and making sure you have great systems in, you know, in, in, in the process. So at, like you mentioned, Stephen, so before, you know, you kind of feel like you were a little bit of, uh, quote unquote, a mess when it came to the financial side. How did your business change the minute that you um, hired uh, a financial expert, an accountant, a bookkeeper 
what was the change in your business? Oh man, it, it was, it was night and day. Um, or organization in, in every aspect of a business, no matter what type of business you're in is super key. Just having that peace of mind that everything is in order is, is huge because the first year that we went through things, you know, we weren't, we weren't using QuickBooks. We weren't keeping track of things as, as we should. And at the end of the year, we paid for that, you know, during tax season, we paid for it. You know, I, I was spending, I want to say probably, I probably spent a total of probably 200 hours wow. just running through everything and making sure that, you know, inputting everything, everything into QuickBooks, because I thought, you know, at first that, Hey, I'm just going to give our accountant all these numbers that I got here and he's going to take care of everything. And I was in for a rude, rude awakening. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, you know, taking, um, you know, those systems are our bookkeeper and our accountant and putting them in place took our business to a whole new level um, in terms of cash flow. We were more aware about our cash flow. You know, we, we understood, you know, what what we, uh, you know, we're going to, to budget. So now we were having a weekly budget. We'd have, um, you know, a monthly budget and having meetings to discuss those budgets and, and making sure that we're staying on track and, and, and meeting our goals in terms of budgeting is, is also been huge because now you're just more aware of what's going on. Right. So you're understanding what's coming in, what's going out and, you know, you're, you're not going to get yourself into a, a, a poor situation because of the fact that you're, you know, you're not aware of what you, you know, what's accounted for, what's not. And, you know, you're not going to owe, you know, let's say a hundred thousand dollars at the end of the year, just in taxes, because all of that's accounted for, right. You're putting that aside to make sure that all these numbers are accounted for and, money's not going lost and, you know, you're not, you know, you're not knowing where, you know, this hundred dollars went this week, this, you know, thousand dollars went next week. You're making sure that's all on the books. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's taking us, like I said, to the next level because of the organization. It keeps, I'm, I'm able to do the things that I need to do now. Right. I'm able to focus on revenue generating, uh, you know, processes and, and activities where in the past I was doing a lot of this grunt work because I was spending 200 hours just going through and catching up on, on accounting activities. Wow. Love it. Love it. When I, when I hear people, you know, understand and embrace the financial side of the business, because I think most time real estate investors forget that, that part, they get all excited about the investing, the buying the property and the decorating it but then they forget that there's a whole financial side that they also need to worry about you know come april april 15th and you know you were a prime example of what you said you had to spend so many hours when that's something that you could have easily um prevented or being a little bit more proactive about it so i love it Absolutely. so steven and gina how much has mindset played a role in your success Oh, the, the mindset is everything. And that's a journey that we've recently just gone on. It's just our personal growth and our personal development. Um, you know, in the beginning of this business, we, we put everything we had into real estate and, and learning the business. But 
I think we forgot about ourselves and our, our mental health a little bit in the process. So recently, um, we've, you know, been working with a mentor, we've been reading, we've been traveling, we've been just doing a lot of things uh, to focus on our health, and not only physically, but mentally. And it's just been a total game changer for us. It's helped us run our business better, run our lives better. And it just, it makes everything better as a whole. Yeah, I mean, um, just just opening up books has been absolutely game-changing for us as well um, and latching on to the right people because if you're latching on to the right people who have what you want, you know, you're going to want to follow what they've done to get there. And the same thing with books, right? You know, you're able to connect with somebody, uh, you know, a, a billionaire who has been through everything and it's almost a cheat code of life. Uh, whether it's a business book, it's a, you know, a personal development book that, you know, you're just, you're just looking to get an aspect of your life right. But, you know, balancing all of those rocks of life, if you will, and, 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 and taking that and, and focusing on them all is, is, is huge because, you know, if one portion of your life is, is out of proportion or it's, or it's not right, it's definitely going to affect, you know, your business or another portion of, of your life. So again, Gina, you know, you know, Gina nailed it on the head. It's, you know, we, we've latched on to mentors in our lives that have, you know, taken us on that journey and, and opened our eyes up to the personal development aspect of life. And again, it's, 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 it's literally just a cheat code. Um, you know, we've shaved years and years, maybe even decades off of that learning curve, just in terms of, you know, learning and, and taking the books and opening, opening them and, and applying those principles and things that we've learned in those books in life and in business. So it's, it's been an absolute game changer for us. And um, it'll be, it, it'll be a lifetime learning curve for us. You know, we'll never stop. You know, we love just leveling up and, and uh, you know, growing ourselves and, and being able to take our lives as, as both a, a couple and, and partners in a business to the next level. I like it. And, and kind of staying on that topic, you know, I usually like to end the podcast with a few rapid fire questions so people can learn a little bit more about you guys. Um, so are you guys ready? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. So talking about books, what was like one book that, that greatly influenced your life and why? Yeah, um, I'll take this one. Uh, you know what? I've, I've read this book multiple times. And Think and Grow Rich has been probably the biggest influence in my life, you know, in, in terms of a book. Because it opens your eyes up to another aspect of, of thinking. And not just not just in business, but... In, in life as well. How about you, Gina? I had to say for me, it was The Go-Giver. Um, I was never a big reader until recently, and it's definitely changed me, like you said, personally and in the business side of things. Um, but The Go-Giver was just a, such a great story with good life principles as well as business principles, and it was very relatable, very easy read, and it was you just take so much away from it at the same time. Um, so I highly recommend that book to anyone who hasn't read it yet. Nice. 
So what purchase of $100 or less has most positively impacted your life? I'm going to say it's, it's, it's been a handful of books. Um, you know, uh, we're, we're buying books. If it's not weekly, it's probably bi-weekly. And, you know, we, we're avid readers at this point. You know, we, we're, we're making sure that we're getting, you know, two or three books a month done because we just love to, to learn and we love to apply those principles and, and knowledge, um, you know, and, and you, you just notice such a huge difference in, in yourself and, um, and in, and in your business, you know, if you, you know, again, it goes back to, you know, just balance. If you're, if you're balancing your life, it's gonna, it's gonna make your focus. First of all, your, you know, your focus is going to be on point, you know, in business, right. When, when you're at work and, um, you know, it, it, it just creates that, that momentum for you and, you know, just filling those, those rocks of life and, and making sure their balance is, is, is key for us. And last question, aside from real estate, what are you guys passionate about? I think traveling is huge for us. Uh, we love going to new places, immersing ourselves in different cultures, learning different things from other people. Um, and just, you know, see, there's so much out there in the world. And, you know, we love New York. We love new, living in New York, but we learn so much from other people. Um, and the second thing for me is, is also nursing. I'm a nurse full time. Um, it's a huge passion of mine. I do love the real estate side of things, but it's funny how, you know, within two different jobs, it's such a similar focus at the end of the day. And that's just, it's helping people. Um, and it's something I'm truly passionate about. And I don't think I could ever give it up no matter how big our business gets. Um, it's something I really love to do. And I'm glad I love to do it. Um, so that's for me. That's just something that I love. Yeah, we, we travel a lot. And that's also, you know, if, if I can give anyone um, a, a tip on, on just spending, right? I used to spend a lot of money on material things. And now I'm, I'm learning the more and more, you know, I travel and have experiences, you know, it, it, it's, it doesn't even compare, um, you know, spending money on a, an experience or, you know, uh, traveling somewhere is completely, completely different than, than buying, you know, a car or a house or whatever it might be. Just, just, but, but, but I just want to um, definitely recommend to people just go out there and experience things, spend a little bit money on, on traveling, you know, immerse yourself in other culture and, you know, create a, a life that, you know, you can, you, you can build, you know, you want to build that life resume at the end of the day. And that's, that's, what's been huge for me. And, and Gina is, is just traveling and, and, and getting to experience so many different things uh, together, which is, which is amazing. Well, as we wrap, wrap up the podcast, where can people learn about you guys? Yeah, definitely. Um, we are on Instagram uh, for Revival Property Group. We are Revival underscore properties. And on Facebook, I believe we are at Revival Property. And our website you can find us at uh, www.revivalpropertygroupllc.com. 
So we're definitely, uh, you know, like, like we mentioned earlier, we put a huge emphasis on branding. You know, we love our clients. We love working with fellow uh, investors and people in the real estate industry and, and just like-minded people. You know, we like surrounding ourselves with positive people, people who are um, like-minded, growth-minded, and people that want to make a difference in this world and make a difference in others' lives. Because at the end of the day, this life is really short and we want to make a huge impact on the world and really create something special for not only ourselves and our family, but others. We want to make a difference in other people's lives and, and uh, create something bigger than ourselves. Well, thank you so much, Stephen and Gina, for coming to the podcast and sharing your experience uh, in real estate. I really enjoyed having you guys over, and I hope you guys had a good time too. Thanks so much for having us. We enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks, George. We really appreciate you having us on here and uh, uh, look forward to connecting in the future. All right. Thank you.